tap into your most original thinking, organize your ideas, and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. We're flying into Burlington, Vermont and stamping our passport. And I'm so glad to have as my guest, Rebecca Deornelis. I'm so glad to be here. Welcome to Vermont. It's fantastic. I love Vermont. Let's imagine that we're in a coffee shop in Vermont. We're mm. enjoying the scenery, the mountains, the trees, and just talking about creativity. Awesome. My favorite topic. Rebecca is the director of storytelling at a great group called the Pioneering Collective. And she's also a filmmaker. She's starting a new podcast, which I can't wait to hear about. A lot of creativity, Rebecca, when we say organize our ideas. Sometimes it's like we have so many inspirations. Our do list is so long. How do you keep the plate spinning? Spreadsheets. <laughs> Honestly, I love a good spreadsheet. No, but how do I keep the plate spinning? In terms of organizing ideas, I, to be honest, it's really a, more about prioritization than organization, right? Because not every idea is something that you have to make or you have to do. So really understanding like what's the urgency behind this, you know, that whole why me, why now? right? Am I the best person to tell this story in this format? Like, why do I have to do this at this moment? You have to have passion behind it. And, you know, a lot of creative pursuits, especially in the filmmaking world, you're going to devote two, three years of your time to that one pursuit. So you've got to have a long-term passion for it. It's like a relationship, right? Not just this, like, we're going to date for a little while. I'm going to write this script and then just put it in the closet. So what are you willing to commit your precious time to? Mm -hmm. And with your background in film, and now you're translating or applying that storytelling skill to yeah. helping C-suites and executives tell their story. How have you found the transition of that skill, that trait to the corporate world? You know, it's very interesting. One of the most important things to me as a storyteller is, and people are using this word a lot, I realize, but authenticity and telling real stories about real people. And when we think about the corporate world, we think of a very polished, perfect look, very high standard, highly educated, overachieving people. And, and, you know, all of that may very well be true, but we forget about the fact that there are also people who were born and raised in Vermont or Idaho or, or wherever around the world and had parents just like you and me and had all of these life experiences that brought them to where they're at. So what I help to do is to really focus on that because those are the places where not just other C-suite executives can connect to those stories, but everybody can connect to those stories. It's like, yeah, my circumstances and the job title that I have and the life, the way my life looks right now may be completely different to this person, but like, I really relate to their journey with bullying mm -hmm. or their struggles with, with mental health or family addiction or things like that. You know, the very real things that we deal with, with our own lives. So I try to bring that human personal perspective to all of the stories that we tell. It's so interesting you say about sort of the relatability and the yeah. connect 
Hey, do executives appreciate that the fact that they want to be more human or do they come to you first saying, hey, I want to tell my story in a very polished way and only later can they open up and unfold that story? So it might not be a totally conscious desire to be authentic and vulnerable and say, hey, I want to, you know, come to you, Rebecca, and tell you my life story. And, you know, this thing that happened with my mom, I don't think that anybody's ever come to me with that. But I don't think that anybody has come to me expecting that they're not going to get that either. Mm -hmm. So they have to have some sort of willingness to, to share that vulnerable part of themselves. And I think what a lot of people are realizing right now is that, you know, especially over the past two years, we've all had to welcome each other into each other's homes, right? Like we're all working remotely. So our leaders are seeing each other's you know, dirty laundry in the background, <laughs> literally and figuratively. Yeah. So there's really, there's no hiding. And the more that people have embraced that, the more people are want to see that number one and number two, have more faith and trust in a person that shows those cracks and those flaws and the, you know, what's beneath the veneer. And what process do you think about when you're doing that? as you're opening up, as you're sort of unfolding and revealing their story? Do you have an approach? You know, honestly, I, I, I would say that my template and approach is really just listening <laughs> because I don't think that I interact with, I mean, of course, there are parts of me that are essentially me. So I'm going to bring that to the conversation. But I think that each individual is an individual. Each person is going to need something a little bit different to be willing to unveil those layers, right? So if I come with this prescribed notion of like how I'm going to get this or that out of, you know, Jane or Bob, then then it's going to be contrived and not organic and it's not going to, you know, build the trust that that needs to be built between me and that person. It's really all very, very personal. And that is something that I bring with me, but also that I've learned a lot at Pioneering Collective because it's a personal executive thought leadership PR community and firm. Every single thing that we do is so bespoke and so hands-on with each member of our team that we really just take a personalized approach to every aspect of, of a member's journey. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't say that I have a strategy for getting a story out of a person. I just have a willingness to, to listen and maybe even am perceptive at what other people need in order to feel comfortable enough to share their story. Mm-hmm. And more or less translate what you're hearing, not yeah. just listen per se. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And reflect back. I think people need to know that they've been heard and that they've been heard correctly. You know, if someone shares something with me, I want to make sure that the story that I'm translating for them, but I'm putting together for them is not my interpretation of the story, but their actual story. Being able to say back like, okay, so what you're saying Mark, is that this mm -hmm. is this is how you perceive this area in your life or this message that was sent to you, you know, as as a child. And that's the reason that you decided to go into the healthcare tech world and into, you know, marketing and and so like why you became so passionate about it. 
right? Like following those little trails. And sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, I guess that that does make sense. Um, and and sometimes it's it's just being someone who can put the words together for them as to like why they have the the passion and and the the desire to do what what they started out doing. Yeah. Well, speaking of passion, let's be sure that we talk about some of your own passion projects. Yeah, Yeah, you have a great film called The Sleepless that premiered last year at the Big Apple Film Festival and was even named a Best U.S. Feature by the New York Independent Cinema Awards. Congratulations. Thank you. Tell us about that project, The Sleepless. The Sleepless is my my partner, my husband, my co-producer, is a director and a writer, and I'm a producer and an actor, and he is an insomniac. And so he was walking around the streets of Brooklyn while we were still living in Brooklyn one night and was like, hey, you know, what would happen if two people met up at this time of night, you know, two, three o'clock in the morning and went on an impromptu date? And so that became a movie. <laughs> and that's that's what it really is. It's about two chronic insomniacs who go on an impromptu date when they meet at a bodega one night, uh, getting coffee and a bagel, which is you know a very New York scene. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I may have seen him walking around. I did a, a little midnight vigil on the Brooklyn Bridge a couple of years ago. Maybe oh, I, maybe I saw him walking the streets then. <laughs> I feel so bad for you who cannot sleep. I, I mean, I do have issues sometimes falling asleep, but once I am asleep. I am out. I think I just tire myself out so much throughout the day that I'm just like, and we're done. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, from now on, I'll be calling my wife, my co-producer as well. So I think uh, you've really given me an inspiration of that title, but let's talk about the process of making a film like that, where you're taking, you know, a very personal story, but then turning it into a film. Yeah. So you're taking a very personal story, but then you also want to reach the widest audience possible. Mm-hmm. So That's it right. sounds like pretty counterintuitive, but again, it really just comes back to, am I being real? Am I being honest? Am I being human in this story? Because the more that you are, the wider the reach. So one of the things that I was really kind of surprised by with the sleepless was I considered it to be you know, it's 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 two people walking around in the middle of the night and they're just speaking about life and topics in the world. And it, I considered it to be a very millennial film, right? <laughs> like a pretty like um, standard millennial film. And yet, you know, we were asked to speak, you know, continuing learning like education classes. And we went into the class. It was a virtual class. So like we went into the Zoom and it was all people in the boomer generation. Like I thought continuing, it was going to be like a master's class. And it was the amount of support and understanding and questions and interest that we got from a generation that I didn't think that we were really like aiming for. And also a lot of the the reviews that we got and, you know, people, you could tell people would comment on the fact that like, oh, so this is what dating is like these days, right? <laughs> so he knew that they weren't necessarily part of the millennial generation, but it really, it, it kind of floored me and how wide of a reach we went and how much people loved this film. And I really think it was just because we were honest about what we really think about and what we're, we really fear. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about like, why are they up so late? Like, why can't they sleep? And, you know, my character has a line. It's like, maybe the question is, how can everybody else sleep with all this <laughs> going on in the world? Right. So 
when thinking about transferring from like, okay, I'm making this film and I'm an artist and I want it to be, you know, something that I am very close to and very passionate about and like something that's almost cathartic, right? Because it's a part of myself to, I want everybody <laughs> to like it, right? right? right. Um, it's, it's really just sort of like hunkering down on like how honest, how honest can I be? How me can I be? And that's even maybe showing the things about yourself that you don't want to show. So true. First listeners, my guest is Rebecca De Ornelas, and you've got a new podcast you've been developing. It's going to be yes. launching here. Tell us about that. Yeah. So the podcast is called The Way Station. It's sponsored by Pioneering Collective. And it is a podcast where in every episode, we're going to explore very common human experiences and themes, but told through three vastly different perspectives. So we'll have three storytellers come onto the show and tell about their experience with a universal theme, like we're doing mental health, control, isolation, home, identity, you know, these things that everybody has a story about, right? But we're keeping a focus on are we representing all genders, all sexualities, you know, people from every state, every country, you know, we've actually got someone coming on one of our episodes from Nigeria. And I was like, yes, like we're, we're really reaching. Right. So the goal for the show is to tell these diverse stories and showcase the fact that like, even though these experiences and the circumstances and the facts of all of these lives may seem very different, there are things that we can all relate to. And so at the end of the day, the goal of the show is to make people feel a little less alone. Sounds interesting. Thanks. Yeah, I've always liked this idea of yeah, the multiple perspectives, multiple mm -hmm. points of view. And I think of your word diversity. And yep. I think maybe we've underappreciated the diverse experiences of people. Right. You know, if we only look at demographics, which right. is important. All I'm mm -hmm. saying is you layer on the fact that we all have different experiences and it's almost a parlor trick now, but you can show people the same film or the same video of an accident or something like that. And everybody sees something different. Yeah. Uh, everybody you know, sees something you're witnessing different. witnessing it in a different way. Yeah. And, you know, it might evoke different emotions, but especially with this podcast, it's like over the past couple of years, we've all seen how many opinions there are out there and how disconnecting it can be because of that and, and sort of isolating. And, you know, we were all literally isolated. And then figuratively too, it's like, wow, there's, there's just so many opinions and so many views on what's going on in the world right now. And I don't know how to feel like I'm connected to anybody because everybody also seems like they're fighting all the time, right? <laughs> especially on social media. And it's like, hey, guys, let's remember the things that make us human, the places that we can connect. And no, we don't have to feel the same way about everything. We don't have to think the same way about everything. But there are those places of connection. And let's focus a little bit more on those. And that's what we're trying to do with the Waystation. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a great program. And it's interesting to pick back up on your point about listening. Have you found that yeah. there's a question or a way to actively listen that's coming out in these groups 
on your podcast that say, yeah, they're not trying to persuade. It's not an argument. And it's, you know, it's not a cable TV uh, show with the four windows of people trying to get their point across. Instead, are people listening to each other in a different yeah. way? So on the podcast. Words, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there a way that they're showing true interest in the other person's point of view? Yeah, rather yeah. Than, you know, listening to come back. The way that I formatted the show is there is that sort of storytelling, not performative in the sense that like people are performing, but like I want people to have their time. Like they have five minutes to share their story. And, you know, I send them questions in advance so that they can share what was their perception on said theme mm-hmm. as a child, what were the messages that they had? And then, you know, moving forward through their life, what was the, you know, turning point and how are they different? How are they changed now? Right. So the basic like structure of a story. And then I don't interrupt with any questions really as each person goes through theirs. But in between, I ask the other people to tell me what they picked up on, on the other person's story. Mm-hmm. So what did you relate to? Were there any phrases? Were there any words that really stood out to you? Was there anything that really affected you? And the energy that that creates and allows for the next person who shared their story and the next person that's sharing their story is like, oh, okay, I'm actually being heard because there's a quiz after this. <laughs> you know? Right. If I'm oh, going to be listened. asked. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it sounds like a great format. Rebecca, remind us uh, the name of the podcast and where we're going to find it. Yeah, The Way Station. It'll be available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere that you listen to your podcast. And then you can also visit the Pioneering Collective website to learn more about the podcast and, of course, about Pioneering Collective. Uh, but we'll have an offshoot page there as well. And that's pioneeringcollective.com. Fantastic. And listeners, yeah. you'll be among the first people to hear the new podcast, The yes. Way Station. So tune in. Rebecca, great being with you. I love comparing creative notes with you. Thank you so much. This is a lot of fun. This is a great conversation. And listeners, we're going to continue this conversation. We've been in Vermont today with Rebecca DeOrnelis, but we'll continue our around the world journeys. We'll talk to more creative practitioners coming up in the next episodes. We'll find out what inspires them, how they organize their ideas, and most of all, getting the confidence and the connections to launch their work out into the world. So come by again for the next episode and we'll continue unlocking your world of creativity. We'll see you soon. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and thepeaceroom.love. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get the book, A World of Creativity, for a special price of $5.98 for paperback. And the Kindle version is only 99 cents. Go to mark-stinson.com to take advantage of this special offer.